we went we went from surplus to the Taliban to Ted Kaczynski. It's a very it's a very quick pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> you you could call it a pipe dream, an Americana pipe dream. Oh God, I can I can only imagine how many fantastic fantastic lines we're gonna get out of that in this podcast <laughs> you're listening to the art and war podcast with your host mitch and nathan mitch is a former airborne infantry squad leader who now spends most of his time coaching soccer nathan is a professional illustrator and an avid shooter with a couple of years of canadian military experience together they run the seaburn art page enjoy the show hell yeah so i really want to know those fucking like taliban sneakers you got guys had in your site like <laughs> Taliban always wear fucking white sneakers. Mm -hmm. How did you get your hands on them? So basically, um, because of our viral marketing, random people will hit us up out of nowhere and just offer us shit. This was one (laughs) of those cases where some dude from Pakistan DM'd us and was like, hey, I have Taliban sneakers and war rugs. Do you want some? And that kind of established a really that actually established a really good relationship that we've had forever, and that's how we get like rugs, pecols, basically anything that's out of Afghanistan or Pakistan, we get from him. And that was just a random DM that we got one time. That's really fucking interesting, actually. Yeah, and like I mean, if only were, he, could, he could like go to Kyber Pass for you and get like those knockoff Lee Enfields. He's sent me pictures from Kyber Pass before. <laughs> he sent me a picture of a dude with a wheelbarrow full of like shop made AKs, and he had the biggest grin on his face. I was like, dude, I so wish that that guy was me. One, one of these <laughs> days, do you think like Americana Pipe? By the way, everyone, hi. This is uh, this is uh, Logan and Aiden from Americana Pipe Dream. Uh, welcome to the C Bernard <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> nah, fuck you all. Um, but business trip to Pakistan, mm. uh, fucking lootly hopefully in the next two to three years. I mean, traveling there might be a little bit of an interesting story, but given how much business we do with this dude, it would probably be worth it at this point, honestly. Yeah. Dude, the spoils of like the war in Afghanistan, the last 20 years being like pissed away on basically nothing. There's some really cool finds out of it. Absolutely. I remember, like, and I brought this up in the podcast before, basically the day after, no, like, even the, the night that uh, Kabul fell, I went on eBay, I'm like, fuck, there's going to be so much shit coming out of this. And I wasn't wrong, like, right after, uh, right out of all the bordering towns, immediately there's, like, BE miners, laser designator, like, uh, full power PEC-15s, all this shit just started p- popping up. Way overpriced, like $3,500 for a, for a PEC-15. Jesus. Still, it was fucking hilarious, just the loot. And it, it's always kind of, like, been fascinating to me how the surplus market works. I think my, my understanding of it is basically what I've gleaned from the Nicolas Cage documentary, Lord of War. <laughs> yeah, that's literally me. <laughs> <laughs> One day, maybe. Probably not, though. FFLs are kind of a burden if you're in the clothing industry. Can't lie. Yeah. For now. For now. Anyway. For now. For now. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to hand it to the Taliban. They're on the grind set. That's all I have to say. I mean, they can make yeah. a lot of money off that shit, especially whatever they don't actually want to keep. Yeah. 100%. Have you seen their social media presence? It's fucking wild. I don't know how I true have... it is. That's actually are that. You... Are you talking about the uh, Twitter account, the Taliban Public Relations Department? Yeah, because I, I didn't. <laughs> I th- I thought that was satire, and then like other actual Taliban government accounts will refer to it. I, I don't kidding? know. I don't know anymore. 
no fucking way because i i've heard that it's satire and i'm inclined to believe that it is satire just because like why would the taliban have a public relations account on twitter but yeah with that in mind it if i really hope that it's real because i want to be able to tweet at the taliban and say some ridiculous shit and get a reply but actually but they they have been referenced to and by various actual taliban government accounts and part of me thinks that it's like it's like a Gen Z intern, like a <laughs> Taliban Gen Z intern. That, and you know, no no one else in the office speaks English, so you can kind of get away with whatever. Yeah, just anything at all, dude. I I really, really, really fucking hope so, because that would be that would be social media gold. I can't lie. Did you did you see that article about how the Taliban once you know they took over the government and shit are getting really bored of office work? yeah i saw that (laughs) there's an entire article about it yeah like the the really masculine urge to go fight an uh invading government as opposed to sitting around you know nine to five (laughs) i I laughed so hard they're they're realizing like maybe we should have just continued just a war of attrition maybe that would have been more fun maybe it would have been more entertaining is once once you get past the yay we won factor and you got to sit behind a desk like approving uh like license plates or some shit that's when it gets real old real quick yeah like what was it all for i i <laughs> guess like having to register your car <laughs> oh god it's fucking hilarious to me though that that like the industrial revolution and all of that that i always fucking harp on it caught up to the taliban of all people and now, you know, everyone's having existential crises. Ted Kaczynski, and I... Not the fucking Okay, I think this is a record. Five, five minutes. Five minutes it, it took to... No uh... <laughs> posting. <laughs> Ted Kaczynski once said, um, and, and this is kind of paraphrased, but it, it's kind of, we're seeing it in real time. With the Taliban, antidepressants are sort of your... BR, just cut this entire part out. Just, just cut it out. <laughs> no, this is good. I can't go, I can't go down this, this track so fast. <laughs> what, we have to wait another five? Uh, yeah, five more minutes. Five more minutes. <laughs> I mean, I have read the book. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's like, a, it's like 90 pages. It's not that long. You can read it in like no, half an hour. This is true. They did actually publish it in a newspaper. This but yeah, no. Okay, fuck it. Yeah, the <laughs> Taliban have, have found in real time that they're, they're living in a society that subjects people to conditions that make them terribly unhappy. And then, as, as he said, you know, at least in the Western world, society then gives you drugs to take away their unhappiness. Instead of removing the conditions that make people depressed, modern society gives them antidepressant drugs. Uh, this has nothing to do with what we were talking about a second ago. We're br continue to cut this part out (laughs) nah nah we gotta keep that in that's important content right there that's important content that that has nothing to do with anything it's 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 more (laughs) schizo than our usual like tangents and it took all of five minutes to get there we went we went from surplus to the taliban to ted kaczynski it's a very it's a very quick pipeline You you could call it a pipe dream, an Americana pipe dream. Oh God, I can I can only imagine how many 
fantastic, fantastic lines we're going to get out of that in this podcast. <laughs> but yes, we we actually uh, we all met up in person for anyone listening at uh, at Shot Show. I think we were all really hammered when that happened. Oh, absolutely, um, and I'm pretty sure it was like three thirty in the morning. It, it was really late. It was at the Circle Bar, I think, or. It was the circle bar. It was yeah. between like one and three. We talked for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, everything. I don't remember anything about that night other than that's, that's the night I got goat. So. Oh God. I mean, you don't usually drink, right? No, so not was... really. Like, uh, I, I, I used to have a couple of drinks to loosen up right when we started recording the podcast, like fuck two years ago now. But, um, I just stopped one day. Uh, I'll still do it, you know, like for a wedding or, shot show i guess um shot show was interesting people just kept on shoving drinks into my hand and you know rude not to drink them and also not fun to not drink them so <laughs> that is true i mean i i think most of the business that happens at shot show actually happens at the circle bar oh 100 I, I would not be surprised everything happens after the show closes and everyone goes to get drinks yeah the, the people you meet there are fucking wild but oh, dude did you guys go as vendors or just for fun, like on your own? So we we have a wholesaler that we've been working with for a really long time, and they actually invited us out to SHOT Show. We weren't really oh, considering oh. going because, you know, we're not exactly in the firearms industry. Uh, we I mean, even... like, uh, you're in the peripheral. Peripheral, yeah. But, like, yeah. if it wasn't something that one of our wholesalers invited us to, we might not have even ended up going. But they extended the invite, um, vouched for us with the um, the people who give you the passes or whatever, and I guess we qualified. So we got the tickets and we just showed up. So That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was a really good time. I saw that message. Gotta say, microdosing shrooms is the way to go. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. Dude, it, it's actually life-changing. It's, it's wonderful. Um, it, it I simultaneously up- work a lot better and worse than I would without it. <laughs> <laughs> the positives and the negatives. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I found too. I mean, I, it's been like over a year since I have actually microdose shrooms, but when I was yeah. doing it, it was like the it was a very quick pipeline to making very good memes and a lot of them in a very short amount of time. The marketing oh, game, dude, was- you get so focused. Yes, and very creative too. Like you have no boundaries at all. Yeah, I I love recording on it because uh, there's just streams of consciousness that one turns into the other, turns into the other. But sometimes it can be a little too much. Yeah, sometimes that's why you got to make sure you dose it just right. Otherwise, you're gonna be out of commission for a couple hours. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, who do you find are your your primary markets? I don't know if you you can tell much about your clientele, but you've seemed to have gotten really big really quickly. I see a lot of dudes like admin results and whatnot wearing a lot of your stuff. And it almost seems like you guys, I don't know if you like, if it's a chicken or egg situation where trends seem to happen out of the things that you advertise, but do you have a hand in that? And what, what, what's happening? So first of all, we're a CIA plant. Um, we're not a real company. We're funded and ran, ran by the CIA. Um, but I think Wait. that there's a lot of truth to the, uh, to the trends. Uh, because what we did with our marketing is because at first we had literally zero advertising budget. Like our first year yeah. we spent zero dollars on advertising. And what we would do is we would literally just make TikTok videos and Instagram reels. And that was the entire that was that was the entire thing that drove our company to get so big so quickly because those have huge viral potential. And if you market it the right way, 
I mean, you can get a, like a million people to see a video being a brand that just came into existence like a couple months ago. So yeah. that's that's really what ended up happening, to put it really short, um, with AP. And honestly, we've only been in business since 2021. And uh, really? we've, yeah, we've just seen exponential growth because I started the company when I was 18. And then Aiden joined in like three months in. Um, he helped with marketing. And then I have a friend, Mac, who's actually in the other uh, room right now editing a marketing video currently, um, who had a really, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you, Mac. Um, I but, just hear him <laughs> but yeah, uh, he had a passion for cameras and uh, videography and cinematography and all that stuff. So he was the guy we'd go to for advice on recording a good shot or just in general making good marketing content because neither me or Aiden really knew a whole lot about how to do that stuff. Um, so we kind of just drew on the resources that we had around us just from friends that we knew from high school and middle school. That is really impressive. And uh, where, where did you see everything start to, to uh, take off? So funnily enough, our first viral video was fucking me wearing a balaclava in jorts, uh, reading a passage from the guerrilla warfare manual, like the, <laughs> the U.S. Army field manual. And I remember... <laughs> 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 it was a... Schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah, basically. I was wearing a Type 56. ICOM rig with a leather jacket too <laughs> so yeah, it was a look for sure um but i remember Holy that got like 100, that got like 150,000 views overnight on tiktok and i remember checking the sales chart the next day and it was like three grand that we sold in just field manuals overnight so i was like holy shit we should do this more so we kind of played into that for a while until it got old and stopped working and then started doing camouflage history videos of like obscure camouflage patterns or just whatever we had in stock and that kind of morphed into like this short form 15 to 20 second thing where we list off the features you know where it's from how old it is the price and all that stuff and that's been a really successful formula especially recently yeah that's that's actually what uh what got me into your stuff was the um I, i'd seen some of the memes and uh, mm -hmm. they're fucking hilarious <laughs> But uh, the the, uh, the short form stuff, the the one that really stuck in my head is the same one I asked you about, the uh, the Taliban wearing white sneakers because it's something I'd always mm -hmm. I'd always actually thought about in all the pictures of the Taliban, uh, the Taliban fighters seem to be wearing the same fucking sneakers, and <laughs> it, it's something that I'd always noticed but never actually looked into. Like, mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure a lot of people would, but it's such interesting, obscure kind of war trivia. That mm -hmm. when your video finally came on explaining kind of the heritage and where they came from, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's kind of tricky to find that kind of interesting item that kind of catches people's attention like that. But yeah. we're doing this full time. So we have the time to look for stuff like that. And that's why, yeah. you know, we that's why we've pissed off a couple ministries of defense and why <laughs> we always, why we always try to bring in rare stuff. Um, cause that in itself also grabs attention. Like, uh, we, we do get a lot of emails from just random people around the world, like Indonesia, um, fucking Ireland, not so much anymore after the incident. Um, but several, several different people will hit us up with random rare stuff that they have. We'll buy small lots of it or whatever. Um, and yeah, I, I can talk a little bit about the incident. Um, okay. I, 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 I was about to say. 
you you can't just say okay. <laughs> but my brain is is catching up with my mouth. What incident? So uh, basically, um, the end result of this is that we got an interview on Irish national radio um, because we we bought and sold maybe like fifty pieces of Irish DPM, which is a really sick camo pattern. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I love it. I have a couple pieces that I wear from time to time. Um, but long story short, it's illegal in Ireland to both buy and sell and to possess if you're a civilian. Because this one incident happened in Northern Ireland or around that area where Irish uh, DPM clothing was stolen by IRA, member- IRA members and they used it to impersonate the Irish military. So because of that one incident, they passed this like National Defense Act in like 97 or something that prohibits the selling and possession of Irish camouflage by civilians. And because we're not in Ireland, we didn't break the law, but they were really concerned is how they put it. They were concerned that somehow we would sell it to the IRA, even though we prohibited it from shipping to Ireland because we knew that this was a law. So like we never shipped a piece to Ireland, but they made it like a national news story that we were selling it. Holy shit. That Which is was really, It was really funny. Yeah. Don't don't <laughs> burn any of your sources, but how did you guys get your hands on it? So we we work with a couple people in Europe and one of these wholesalers who we've had a really long and successful relationship with and we also got the other thing from them that pissed off a Ministry of Defense. Um that, that's my but next they, question. But we'll get to that. Yeah, they they get these like huge thousands of kilo bins full of miscellaneous stuff. And basically I'd tell them, if you ever see any Irish DPM in those bins, sell it to me. Like I'll pay you extra for it, whatever. We're just going to take it all. So we've worked out that arrangement with them where if they find any Irish DPM, they're going to tell us and just sell it to us in whatever next order we make with them. Um because I, I honestly, I just really wanted some for myself, and also I, yeah. I wanted to bring there, it to the U.S. <laughs> there's something really cool about gear that you can't get otherwise. There's just stuff that you can't find that, that is literally illegal to be sold, and uh, <laughs> it seems like I mean, you you broke the taboo so badly that it was on Irish national radio. I think it's yeah. pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and I mean, we we still get comments from Irish followers and stuff. I mean, like we don't sell a whole lot to Ireland. Um, yeah. But we still get comments from Irish followers being like, bro, I, I died laughing when I heard your name on News Talk or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. It was hilarious. And I mean, honestly, if the Irish MOD is listening, please surplus your shit. It's so good. You can make so much money to buy like ammo or new uniforms or whatever. I mean, I'd, I'd buy literally all of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard that they're, uh, well... I don't know if you've heard any of the episodes with Lucas. The Irish military is not doing super hot right now. No, scandal after scandal. Because after that news story with us, I started following Irish army news. And bro, it's bad. It's bad. It's really fucking bad. It's, <laughs> I, I think they might need to start selling surplus soon. It doesn't seem like they've got, they've got a budget for much anything. No, no, like not at all. Um, but you know what? If it works out in favor of having Irish DPM on the surplus market, I can't argue. Based. But now I I have to ask, what other foreign ministries have you pissed off? Okay, there's only, only there's only we're all we already have like not one but two major international incidents. 
<laughs> I mean, there's only one more. We haven't done this very often, and it's a very rare thing around AP's office, but it has well, happened twice. On average, it's been once per year since the company's been founded. Basically, yeah. Um, and I, fingers crossed, it's a trend that continues. Um, <laughs> but the other one was Oman. Uh, and this really? one was, yeah, this one was big enough where the actual contractor who makes the uniforms um, had a Zoom call with us. We talked to the CEO of that company um, because apparently the Ministry of Defense, someone at the Omani embassy in the US saw one of our TikToks advertising Omani DPM and went up the chain of command and was like, hey, that shouldn't be a thing that's happening. And it got to the Ministry of Defense and the Ministry of Defense was like, hey, are you selling our uniforms on the side to make a little bit of extra money? And we're almost about to uh, cancel the contract with them and yeah. like burn the bridge until we sorted it out. We're like, hey, no, they, we didn't buy it from your contractor. It was like some weird leftover thing with a military contract um, that was outsourced to a company in France where these French folks just had a couple hundred pieces of these shirts yeah. laying around. That kind of shit happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. And they just weren't aware of it because it wasn't into the surplus market until like 15 years after the contract was over. Two for two DPM as well. Oh, uh, yeah. 100%. That's wild. It's I know we have kind of similar laws. I don't know if they're enforced around CADPAT and Canadian mm -hmm. issue gear. I, I don't know if they'd really know or care if any of it made it into the surplus market because it, it finds its way into, you know, Facebook marketplace and things like that quite a bit. But I have Americans ask me not infrequently to source them CADPAT somehow. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's an extremely nice camo pattern. I can't lie. It would probably work really good here in Wisconsin as well. Um, it does, I'd, actually. I, I will give it that. It, it works really, really well in the northern United States. But I, I honestly think it's really not as common as even Irish DPM just because of that law. And I mean, I don't think it's really enforced as much because Misty Mountain Supply, another surplus store who's based in Canada, I, I bought some from him like last week. Oh yeah, no, I, I fucking love Sam. He's been on the show actually. Oh really? Yeah. No, he, he's hey. coming back on again soon. I, I love him, he's, he's great. That's fucking awesome, I love him too. He's fantastic. Yeah, I've been wanting to, to uh, pick his brain about the surplus market up here. But um, what, his episode was mostly just complaining about Canadian gun laws, but we've done that to death. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of hard to find new material about complaining about Canadian gun laws after a while. There's just so yeah. much bad about it. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where it's just like, I, I don't care anymore. Everything that can be said has been said. Everything is horrible. Everything's horrible. It kind of looks like America's on that path too, but we'll leave that for another time. That That's... Uh, yeah, I honestly, I honestly don't know enough about it, the yeah. situation in America, to really talk about it for more than like two minutes. But um, it's boring and complicated, and not really good listening. So we'll we'll save it for a, a more political episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, those those were the two uh, Ministry of Defense incidents that we've ran into so far. Uh, luckily, nothing else. Um, but we'll see. Have you had to work with anyone really shady? Because I, I imagine that, that some of your contracts have come through, you know, a random Pakistani guy messaging you about, you know, piles and piles and piles of Afghani sneakers. Has there been anything else like that? Well, 
there we we try to do our best to vet people that we buy stuff from because a lot of the a lot of the time we're spending not you know an inconsequential amount of money so we do our best to vet um we haven't really had any terrible experiences with the buyers themselves yet or the quality of the goods because usually we weed that out pretty damn quick um but I imagine at some point there's going to be somebody that comes along that's going to be super shady. I mean, there was some random Chinese dude in our DMs the other day trying to sell us a bunch of like African camouflage that was made in China, which was very appetizing, I will say, because African stuff is really difficult to find. Yeah. But when we asked him for like paperwork and like export details and all that stuff to get it through U.S. Customs, he just straight up refused to give it. So... That's a big yeah. red flag. If somebody can't, you know, give proper documents or whatever to actually import the stuff to the states, I mean, immediate no go. Yeah, no, understandably. Before, um, before people started reaching out to you, how did you source suppliers? It seems like something that you can't exactly go on like Craigslist and be, hey, we want you know five hundred French smocks. <laughs> well, here's the really funny thing. So when we started. It was literally in my in my bedroom, which was in the basement of my parents' house. So I would literally just go on Google when we first started, um, like having just registered like an LLC, just started marketing, all that stuff. I literally just searched military surplus wholesale. And like the first thing that came up was a company called Sturm Miltech, who is the wholesaler that invited us to SHOT Show in oh. a couple months ago. So we still have a really, really, really good working relationship with them. And I, they're definitely by far our biggest supplier of stuff. Um, it's a family owned company as well. So it's super, it's super awesome to work with them. We went out to dinner in Vegas with them and they're lovely, lovely people. Sturm Miltech. It sounds like, like a cyberpunk 2077, like Corpo. <laughs> I kind of love that. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool name. It comes from, um, their parent company in Germany. Um, who we're actually going to go visit them in July. We're going to go out to their uh, Berlin warehouse, which I've been told is 800,000 square feet of surplus, which is absolutely insane. Um, but the Sturm family has been in business in surplus for what, 50, 60 years? Almost longer than that. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, they have been with us even from the start and helped us along mm -hmm. the way too on our journey even though it's only been two and a half years but mm -hmm. big shout out to the storm family yeah they're awesome that's awesome uh so i imagine that's who you use for your european supplier what about domestic you have a mm -hmm. lot of american military stuff as well they are our domestic actually our main domestic uh, because they have uh they have a majority of the businesses in germany but um a lot of the business is actually in the United States. They import for us. So basically they store and import as much as possible in the U.S. and then sell to us because they can import much larger quantities. But, I mean, they do have some stuff in Germany that we don't have, but mm -hmm. they're not our main uh, importer from international shipments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we do work with, I think it's three or four different companies in Europe um, oh, that are exclusively in Europe. Um, but Sturm has a USA branch and a German branch. How's it going, lads and ladies? BR and Nathan here to take a quick break to tell you about our Patreon. Not only do we want to continue improving the quality of what we can do here on Art and War, but we want to push what we do all over at Art. 
from the guides to pursuing video content and keeping us warm during another winter of illness and death, and the Patreon helps us get after it. But what's in it for you? Our Patreon subscribers enjoy five different tiers of exclusive perks, ranging from all the content we'd post on a pre-Zuckerberg Instagram, downloadable high-resolution guides, targets such as Redcoat Skinwalkers, John Harvey Kellogg, seasonal targets, and more. Behind-the-scenes info like my personal art, introducing all-new exclusive mini-podcast episodes, and at our highest tier, get monthly art commissions created by yours truly. You can find our Patreon via the link in this episode's description at patreon.com slash cbonart, or in the cbonart page's bio on Instagram. This episode was brought to you by AWS, Advanced Warfighting Solutions. We use the shit out of their gear here at Arn Wolf. Everything's made in North Carolina, and they make everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of their SMU War Belt, the Snack Pack, their Assault Pack, their Plate Carrier. Kind of a big fan of everything. And they've been around for a long time with a lot of hard-use kit. Overseas and here at home. Sorry, I'm just uh, reattaching my phone. Sorry, it did come loose. This is my fidget spinner, okay? I know, I know. AWS is our longest running sponsor and they've helped us do a little bit of everything here at Arlen War from keeping the guides coming out by providing Nathan a new iPad as well as chucking gear our way so we can get out there on the range. Tough as hell gear so they can help us go LARP in the woods. Yep, my assault pack comes out with me every time I'm in the woods. If you want to pick up a one and done Molly pistol belt, look no further than the AWS SMU belt. Use code ARLENWAR10 for $10 off. We get no kickbacks, you just save money. Link to their site down in the description and in the Seaburn art pages bio. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the show. The world of surplus it goes very deep. If you're immersed in it all the goddamn time, you find and see a lot of things that a lot of people otherwise wouldn't. Um, and I think a lot of folks probably think that it's just like one or two big companies. But in reality, there's a lot of different players in that market. And it is a big market. I didn't really have any clue of how big surplus was worldwide until we started this. I can imagine. It's it's something you don't really think about. You know, growing up in my city, there's an army surplus store where I remember you could get a uh, back in the day German flecktarn jackets for a dollar Canadian a piece. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, no, it was fucking great. Uh same with the uh the olive drab issued a buck. Um mm-hmm. I had no idea where they were coming from or how they could turn a profit on it. These days, it seems like those things command a price. I should have bought a crate of them. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that would have been a sound investment. It's kind of just like surplus firearms because there is a finite supply. And a lot of the time, especially with the German Bundeswehr, I mean, they've cut back big on surplusing, especially Flecktarn, because they they were not very happy with the people that associated Flectarn with um, particular ideologies, especially during the early years of the Ukraine conflict. So they kind of just turned that nozzle off, or uh, at least very yeah, well. So it's a finite supply that's already out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's definitely gotten more expensive. But I mean, if you compare a lot of it to like new production clothes for the quality, it's still a damn good deal. Yeah, 100%. What has been something that you guys have really wanted to carry? But uh, like, what's your golden goose? What is uh, so far something you can't find but really, really want to have? Oh, Jesus Christ. This is a lot. I, I have put together so many damn lists of just random stuff that I've given to wholesalers. And like, if you ever see this, call me immediately. Um, let's see. I mean, I want the Yugoslavia Adidas drip. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Yugoslavia had 
they just had some like Adidas. They didn't like issue anything, but they had some really cool like Adidas like wear that was really popular back then. It's like retro eighties kind of mm-hmm. vintage. It's like impossible to find. Yeah, because um, we that's like that's issue another... Adidas like Trepoloskis. Not not issued, but I, I bet like, you it was used during the Yugoslav was, Wars. Yeah, some of yeah. The, some of it was used, but it wasn't like they actually like issued it. It was just they happened to have a ton of cool mm-hmm. Adidas clothes down there for some reason. Yeah, it's it's kind of like how during the Soviet Afghan War the Russians went into combat with the Mujahideen wearing the you know flat sole Adidas sneakers or the Adidas ripoffs. It was kind of that same deal, but Yugoslav. That's interesting. Yeah, so. That would be super cool. That would be really freaking cool. Another really cool place to get surplus out of would be either Ukraine after this war is over because they've received so much random miscellaneous foreign aid. I mean, there's there's camouflage from Latvia, the other Baltic states. I mean, who knows yeah. in Ukraine right now that after that war is done, they're not going to want to keep because it's yeah. all non-standard issue for the Ukrainian armed forces. Second to that would be Russia because first off, the tariffs on Russian textiles right now are 90%. So if you try to import oh. anything Russian, U.S. Customs will literally double the price that you already paid for it. So like if yeah. you pay like 20 bucks for a digital flora jacket, it turns into $40. And when you're doing that in bulk, it gets super fucking expensive. And also Russians aren't really keen to sell to Americans at the moment, unless they yeah. really hate Putin, which there are some. Yeah. I've heard that there's a lot of, you know, surplus and other things that are escaping over to the border into neighboring countries and being exported from there. But I don't know how true that is. Honestly, I would say that that is 110% true. Um, I haven't done that myself or we haven't done that as a company, but there there are a couple of folks I know in the surplus community who will literally take plane trips to like Uzbekistan and then come back with like duffel bags full of EMR, the digital flora camo that the Russian army uses right now. And yeah. they'll go on those trips literally just to grab that from like a local surplus store or something. That is really cool. Uh, the surplus world. Uh, I, I walked in with no expectations at all, um, but I'm learning a lot. Like the, the flying around to, to come back over the border with, you know, duffel bags full of old Soviet uniforms to resell. That is cool. It is just a cool job that you don't really think about. The the fact that you guys are, are uh, buying... I keep on coming back to this Taliban surplus from just a random guy who messaged you on Instagram or TikTok or something from fucking Pakistan. That's cool. There's a lot of really weird, like conflict relationships that, that sort of pop up and dealings that, that you'd never, never think about. Like the amount of distance that a lot of these items that you guys sell has to travel or the history behind, you know, like where the hell were these things sitting, you know, it's wild to me and also really fucking cool. Oh yeah. I mean like the, the really neat part about that is every single surplus item has some sort of story. It's just that some are interest more interesting than others, which, you know, is why we always try to bring in the ultra cool stuff, but that is in short supply. So, you know, we take it when we can get it basically. Yeah. God, it also, it kind of blows my mind how young you guys are. I wouldn't have been able to to tell. Like I, I didn't. Um, I gotta ask, how old did you think we were? Just a wild mid guess. to late twenties. 
Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So you weren't like, oh yeah, this dude is like definitely 45 years old. Most no, dumb, <laughs> dumb YouTuber ages. Out yeah. there. That's about where they're all at. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's like, like it, it's not that you guys look older or younger or anything. It's just how you, how you carry yourselves, how you talk, and the fact that you have a wildly successful business already. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely did not expect it to take off the way it did. Honestly, I had... I had zero like aspirations for, I wouldn't say zero aspirations, but like I had no idea how far it would actually take us and all of our friends because the people we employ right now are all people we've known since at least middle school. Some of those relationships go back as far as what, kindergarten? Yeah, I've known our <laughs> editor, Mac, I have known sadly since before kindergarten. Actually. Unfortunately. Uh, sadly. <laughs> well, uh, on the record, fuck you, Mac. <laughs> he appreciates it <laughs> well still it, it, it's really fucking cool that from nothing and, and i think a lot of it is is to do with that as you were saying like that gen z humor that mm. that tiktok stuff that getting out there and the, the whole new generation of it i, I don't want to say just like shooters are buying your stuff but that's a huge contingent of it mm. a lot of that generation is young like refreshingly so i think it's pretty cool oh yeah i mean it's it's definitely a big refresher in the uh surplus market because there's a lot of people don't know this but there's an accompanying trade show the same week as shot show in vegas called anme that is literally just for surplus it's way smaller like maybe 30 to 40 booths but everyone there is typically at least what 40 yeah 40 at least is probably the the youngest you'll get Amni? yeah Amni was interesting. Amni was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, you get a lot of folks who have been in the game for like 40 to 60 years and they have warehouses full of stuff that they've forgotten even what it is because they've had it for so damn long. And that's kind of the staple for a lot of older surplus shops. Very messy. Yeah. Very messy. Inventory is not kept. You kind of just have like 25,000 or 40,000 square feet of stuff that has been in there since you started the company in like 1964. Yeah. A yeah. lot of those guys don't have online sites either. They're not all tech savvy. Mm -hmm. Everything's pen and paper mm -hmm. and it's pretty black and white. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of rare for someone our age to be in the surplus market, which I think is also kind of why our company caught on so quickly. Yeah. Well, I, th I think it's, it's cool that you guys actually know about your product, which is something I haven't really seen before in that whole like, 40 to 50 year old boomer like i don't really know what i have i got it from a company they're all sitting in boxes take them all for a buck kind of thing um mm. that that's the only surplus at least in person that i've ever been used to yeah me too or, like reselling stuff from rothko and like chinese play carriers yeah and that's that's something we really try to do very well with is making sure that the stuff we sell as surplus is actually surplus. Um, there have been a couple instances where we buy something from a supplier under the impression that it is going to be surplus and it shows up with like made in China tags on it. We're like, dude, what the fuck? Like that happened with a lot of the USGI stuff that we tried to get wow. in after that trade show in Vegas. And it was incredibly frustrating because like I was expecting like US military issue ponchos and whoobies and shit in the newest multi-cam related pattern and it was just made in china and i was like nope that's really cool thank you <laughs> yeah that fucking sucks 
Yeah, it was fine though. Not a huge deal. Just mark it down to the appropriate price and make sure you mark it as reproduction because yeah, that's shitty. Yeah. I, I assume uh, j- just based on your internet presence, uh, you guys are kind of end users as well too. Uh, Honestly, with the amount that that we work i haven't gone shooting on my own aside from that range day with brandon and donut in like a year and a half i mean like i i don't think being too busy is anything to be ashamed of yeah i mean i also the ranges around where we are are absolute they they suck they suck so hard i wouldn't say they (laughs) suck i'd say it's a different style than what it's it's very it's very controlled you can't do any flat range larping where we are essentially it's nah. the the range safety officer is like no more than five shots a minute whatever and it's kind of dumb because we only have like three or four ranges in our city and it's a city of like eighty thousand people ah what state are you guys based out of we're based out of appleton wisconsin right there smack dab in the m- middle of the american midwest also drunkest city in the u.s mm-hmm. based <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Wisconsin once. It's it's a gorgeous place, but yeah, I don't remember anything. Uh, cheese curds? I, th- I think cheese curds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, cheese yeah that sounds about right. Did you go to yeah. Quick Trip? Yeah, yeah. I was there for like three or four days five years ago. I, I wasn't into all this stuff back then, but it was great. I, I'd go out again. Hell yeah. I mean, when we get that bigger warehouse, you, sh- you guys should definitely come out. We'll probably be inviting a bunch of people eventually when that's yeah. all set up. I'd love to. That that's actually like I'll try not to get pissed drunk and have another goat attack this time. Um, oh no, man. you can get as drunk as you want. It's Wisconsin. <laughs> we have the most per capita of any state. Yeah, that is actually what I did last time. I don't remember a lot of the trip, um, and uh, <laughs> like I, I don't drink very much in general. But my my uh, my frail Asian constitution, unfortunately, can't really deal with a lot. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. It'd be like that sometimes. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still into the fact that you're, you're fucking 21 and you've read Industrial Society in its future. And that makes me happy. I think I read that in high school, actually. Like when I was like 16. Really? It was a good, yeah, it was a good read. Yeah. That, was, that explains a little yeah. bit, actually. Just, just, yeah. just a touch. Just a, a skosh. Yeah, and I mean, when I did go to college, I was a history major for a semester, so that's kind of where yeah. I'm coming from. Yeah, I think history is unrelated, and it kind of freaks me out how many people don't know about any of it. I, I had a, an honest-to-God conversation with a college-educated 37-year-old woman the other day who said, oh, no. World War II, that's the one where Hitler was the bad guy, right? And I... Uh... <laughs> That's a way to put it. That's for damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I wish that was the only time I heard something that fucking stupid, but it's all the time. It genuinely is. And I, I, I forget that growing up, I, I love history. I, I also went to uh, university for a semester expecting to get a history major, and then I just didn't do that. Um, <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I kept all my electives stuff like European history. Uh, I, the most interesting class I did was the history of political violence. Um, wow. Yeah, no, it, it was dope. I, I learned a lot. They're, they're, uh, the, the professor was a very angry, um, short, red-faced man who really fucking hated communism, which... <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say the British. 
also the British. Um, <laughs> no, it was is eighty percent like shit the the KGB did, and then twenty five percent the shit the the CIA did. There's an extra five percent in there for no reason, but whatever. Um, no, it's like, it overlaps. Sometimes they were doing I, the same thing at the same damn time. Exactly. <laughs> I'm Asian, but I'm not good at math. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it. it kind of freaks me out how many people just don't know or care and then i realized like the the people who are interested in history especially like military history and otherwise enough to actually know or give a shit about any of it it's not very many people it's it's about probably the same amount of people who are interested in math yeah yeah that sounds about right because i think to the average person both math and history are kind of like almost the same thing in terms of how excited they get about it yeah it's dull topics and uh I do really agree with the statement that those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But enough about that. Yeah. <laughs> so Amni, Amni, when we were at Amni, um, which is that uh, wholesale or wholesaler trade show for Surplus, um, we've never been there before because we're such a new company and Amni's been going on for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly how long it's been going on, but um it's been the same, you know, companies throughout each of those years that have been around for the last 40, 50, 60 years. And they're the old guys, the old timers that are there with like the pen and paper. Um, but when we went there, it was kind of eye opening for just like, you know, the community that every wholesaler knew each and every other wholesaler. And it's very tightly knit. So like if you, on terms of like a business uh, deal deal, wrong did one of the companies or a wholesaler the whole community would find out about it and they talk so it's kind of like drama goes through um the surplus community about you know where things are coming from or who's doing what or if someone didn't pay so-and-so's order or you know don't buy from whoever um it's just not really what i expected um just and it was just that way because they are so small and have gotten smaller each year um, and Logan, you can touch a little bit on it too, of how, I mean, I just thought it was kind of cool and interesting that that's what it was. Yeah. Cause and me used to be a lot bigger from mm-hmm. what we were hearing. Um, it used to be probably a, a hundred plus booths and these days it's like 40. It was 40 or 50. And they said they used to fill up like the whole trade room. Plus there was another room in what, do you remember what hotel the Westgate was it? Yeah. Westgate hotel, Westgate hotel in, in Vegas. Vegas. And they used to fill up both trade rooms and now it's down to like one fourth of one of these trade room floors. Um, and a lot of it just is because these companies have not been able to keep up with the times, whether it's social media or marketing or just how to get their product mm-hmm. out there as you know, times have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool because we kind of came in there and most everyone knew us and were asking about us. Cause like we've kind of come into the market and definitely made a name for ourselves, but it was just very interesting how like everyone knew everyone and they've known them for years and we're kind of just coming into this and they also know us. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, now we're just kind of a part of this tightly knitted community you know yeah and it's it's really awesome too because since everybody knows everybody else i mean it's super easy to do business i mean as long as as long as you're doing things right and doing right by people you'll be able to make a ton of connections and honestly i don't think i'd have it any other way because there are many industries where people can be as slimy as they want and nothing will happen we've we've come across some of that too yeah but in the surplus community people will talk about it and you'll gain a reputation for being shitty yeah and the 
the coolest thing is too is all of these a majority of the businesses that were at Amni are family owned businesses or at least have been in the family since they've started or have some connection to the original ownership of that company which i think is really cool too mm -hmm. um because in my eyes and from our experience as well it's always better to work with people who are really passionate about what they do and part of that comes with keeping a business in your family because if you're just working for a company that's not yours or your name definitely have a different perspective on how you operate and handle your daily operations inside there and it's been a pleasure to work with a lot of these a lot of these businesses mm -hmm. Yeah, I honestly can't say we've had any bad experiences with any of the folks that we've worked with, especially in the U.S. And that are part of the surplus community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I, I like the idea of the community that pleases itself, not having to uh, like everything is built on reputation and you can't really buy a reputation. You can only earn it. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and putting that in contrast to the firearms community which granted is a whole lot bigger but there are some folks in that community that a lot of people who are also members of that community will take issue with and vice versa there's not so much of that in the surplus community it's more or less just like if you're a decent person and you do right by other people you're you're good mm -hmm. that's good and that that's actually really wholesome yeah yeah the, the the one thing though i do want to bring up and i don't know how much I, I should say on this but we did find out too when we were in amni that like the surplus community in a whole used to be really run by the community um which i thought was really interesting i don't know if that could be said in there but they had like it it was a it was it was a um, yeah, probably probably cut this out, Nathan. Yeah. Um, but essentially, the story that we got from some of our wholesalers yeah. was that the mafia yeah. used to take things off of trucks and sell them as surplus, like from U.S. Army depots or from U.S. military shipments. And based a lot was, of sketchy yeah. stuff that went involved, and then they would mm -hmm. sell it and you know through other wholesalers in the surplus business, and it would kind of transfer down until you couldn't really track where this yeah. what the stuff came from, and then they would sell mm -hmm. it off, and just a lot. It was you know obviously this is long gone now. Yeah, this is yeah. like the nineteen fifties and sixties. But it was just really cool to hear that, and like mm -hmm. I mean, it's just interesting history in that industry itself, which mm -hmm. is that's cool. super interesting. I wonder if we can cut that into just just remove the the word and just keep it the mafia. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. the community. Yes, the the community. Uh, the mafia took things off trucks. Uh, yeah. VR, that's up to you whether we keep that. Um, but yeah, that is actually really really fascinating. And I mean, there there has to be. There has to be more to that, but we really only know the surface level. And I mean, it's, that's that's just as far as we know. Yeah. And we, we're, new. we're new players in the game, so there's a lot that we have never seen and people probably won't talk about and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It does kind of suck that the, the world gets a little smaller every year, but it, it also is kind of the changing face of the times. All retail, like in our lives, we're kind of seeing the, the slow death of the brick and mortar retail establishment. And I think mm -hmm. everything's kind of moving online and people like you are pioneering that. I mean, pe people like you on the, on the smaller end, uh, Bezos on the bigger end, but still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, what, what we heard a lot from our wholesalers uh, when we met with them this year 
um, and not to toot our own horn, but they they said that the way that we market surplus specifically is kind of like a trend leader in the industry. And I mean, we've we've seen it with other companies and granted, we want every other company to succeed as well. And if they can do that by learning from our formula and whatever, how we do our marketing, that's all good. But I think that we've presented surplus in a new way, especially to new audiences, because a lot of the time our customers aren't people who have already been involved in the surplus community, be it firearms or clothing or whatever, but it's people who find it, you know, affordable and comfortable and actually useful in their daily lives, which I think is really cool. Yeah. That, that's actually something that I harp on quite a bit. You know, if you're looking to save a little bit of money, but still get something that'll keep you dry or save your life, the military fucks up a lot of things. And, and most mm. militaries, this is true. You know, they go for the lowest bidder on a lot of gear, uh, usually sleeping gear, uh, cold weather gear and stuff to keep you dry. They do not cheap out on no matter how no. uh, how shitty or cheap the, the military likes to equip everyone in every other way. Keeping those soldiers mm-hmm. alive is usually a priority. So I, I usually tend to uh, direct people towards surplus in that regard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, here's here's another fun fact about how the U.S. military keeps things so cheap. We have a abs- an absolute fuck ton of the USGI Wooby, right? The poncho yeah. liner, it's a, it's a blanket. It'll keep you warm and dry or whatever. All of them are made by the blind. All of really? them. Really? They... U.S. military contracted a factory that exclusively employs blind people. And that's another reason why they're able to keep it so cheap, but still make good stuff because there are factories out there who will only employ physically or mentally disabled folks who will make stuff for military contracts. And that's still the same to this day. There's a couple factories that I know of that have that same model and they're still making like watch caps and fleeces and stuff for the U.S. Department of Defense. And I think it's really cool. That's actually really cool. I did not know that at all. Yeah, like all the all the big uh, DOD boxes we get that are like a 10-pack of Woobies, basically. It's how they stored them before they issued them. We'll have like National Association for the Blind written on the box. And like that's the manufacturer, which is actually, I, I think it's sick. It's yeah. really cool. And they do a heck of a job making the Woobie. Yeah, I was going to say, I really like the Woobies. I, I had one somewhere. I think it still might yeah. be just in like one of the various gear bins that now populate my garage and living room. <laughs> Shit just kind of accumulates, you know? Oh, 100%. You should see the warehouse right now. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, you're, you guys are getting a new warehouse soon, aren't you? Yes, sir. That's the goal. Yeah. We, uh, we've been on the hunt for a little bit and it was kind of always just an idea but now we're to the point where like it has to happen or we won't be able to sustain what we are doing just because of space and yeah space Mm -hmm. that's literally what it comes down to because right now between multiple storage units that we rent plus the 2500 square unit warehouse we're in right now we have what maybe 3500 or 4000 square square feet of space yep total and it's all packed and the warehouse where we are fulfilling orders and everything is a trip hazard and a half and you have to <laughs> wiggle by half the <laughs> half the alleyways <laughs> to get what you need and yeah definitely it's not the most efficient setup in the world but the new warehouse is needed and we think we found a place that's pretty good. It's just a matter of one, getting the bank to actually give us the money and two, actually getting the offer accepted and then going through the process of moving in there. 
and everything, which is the whole thing is just a process. Yeah. It's, it's at the same time that it's annoying. It's also incredibly exciting because when we, we rented this place about a year ago, um, almost exactly a year ago, yesterday, one year ago, we moved in mm-hmm. and we've already filled it up plus two storage units. Um, and that happened way more quickly than we expected. And I imagine the same thing is going to happen when we move into that new place. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. There's worse Even problems there. to have. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So. Um, but honestly, it's, it's just been very, very impressive um, that people have latched onto the brand so quickly and actually really enjoy it. And I, I consider it a blessing. I know that all of us at AP consider it a massive blessing that people actually, you know, support what we do, which mm-hmm. is awesome. How many people do you have working for you now? I know that there's at least four of you, but I, I don't really know past that. Six, technically, not including Ivan, mm-hmm. not including us or, yeah, so six, six employees, two full-time employees, and one that works almost full-time hours, but is still part-time. Yeah, and he's co- he's going full-time soon because, to be honest, we really need him. Um, <laughs> but... But yeah, right now it's still a really small team. It's sub 10 people. Um, still, for, for especially an industry like that, and especially an industry, well, a, a company that only started, you know, two and a half, three years ago, that is very impressive. Yeah, it's it's grown a lot more quickly than we expected, like I said earlier. I mean, yeah. just goddamn. Well, yeah, as you I mean, grow, and uh, especially as, as you have to deal with international shipments and otherwise, uh, there's two things that I imagine you have to deal with, both of which I really hate dealing with, and that is uh, customs and freight companies. Uh, have you ever had any really bad experiences? Oh, God. It's Jimmy. Coca-Cola. Yeah, Jimmy, you want to lead this one off? Well, um, <laughs> for one, they took our chocolate oh, yesterday. Oh, fuck them. Fuck. The cho- <laughs> Not a big fan of that. No. Caffeinated chocolate, to be clear. It's what keeps me through my days. <laughs> I I like to imagine that they only took it because U.S. Customs is struggling to keep their employees alive because it's such a boring job. So they needed the caffeinated chocolate. But yeah, I, I really would have rather had it myself, to be completely honest. Yeah, Customs is definitely one of our biggest headaches, especially when importing. Um, the U.S. loves to tax everything and they love to tax every, I want to say, like category of item differently. Um, and then if they, you know, obviously if you mislabel that category or what that may be, um, with your shipping codes, they, they're, they're not, they don't like you. Um, and they'll, they'll take it or they'll find you and it's just, it's fun. It's fun. It's a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. We had, um, our biggest, uh, this is our, our biggest and our first L ever in terms of like trying to get product. Yeah, we so we had a huge success with the Russian MREs when we came out. They were awesome. Uh, people loved them. You know, we really only have been able to carry the Sopaco MREs and then the uh, U.S. What were the U.S. MREs from MRE Star? Yeah. Um, and so we were able to get some Russian MREs, and they were really good and yeah. tasted amazing. Really? And yeah, they were actually like I would. I mean, I wouldn't eat it every day just because my stomach would kill me. Yeah, because of how <laughs> processed it is and how much yeah. salt is in there. Yeah, but 
they were actually like enjoyable to eat and people loved them. TikTok loved it. You know, it, it, that's we had interesting. Mm-hmm. And we we got in contact with a guy in Poland who was like, I can get you Bundeswehr rations. I can get you Polish rations. I can get you French rations. And so I started working with him for like three months, basically on gathering these rations and getting it all together. And he's never sent freight before. So we we're, you know, it was just a whole process just to get everything mm-hmm. in. And we were like, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be like the Russian MREs. We're going to have, you know, products mm-hmm. in the US that nobody else has. Well, it turns out that majority, like 95% of manufacturers who manufacture food in the EU do not have FDA registration numbers. Oh. And when you import <laughs> freight, you need to have an FDA registration number. Um, and, you know, I did some research and everything beforehand, but we had really didn't have a huge issue with customs getting the other ones here. And there is another company in the U.S. that does carry um, these kind of MREs. But it turns out that we found out later that they basically drop ship them from the EU um, to kind of avoid importing. Um, and so the package got to customs and mm-hmm. they just were like, no, no. And it just sat there and they're like, you're either going to have to ship this back or you're going to have to pay us to destroy it, basically. What Um, the fuck? It was like, it wasn't too bad of a hit. It was like eight grand worth of MREs, but with shipping, shipping was about 6,000 just from Poland. And then with the amount of time, energy and everything, it was definitely the saddest, one of the saddest work moments I've had um, in in a long time yeah basically we flushed a nice used car down the toilet that sucks That. (laughs) but you live and you learn i guess i don't know obviously don't incriminate yourselves for it but is there any way really around that could you import it to another country to so we uh, try yeah (laughs) we tried we tried i we uh misty misty mountain supply in canada uh we were gonna send my rations from him Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were going to send him our rations because we're friends with him and he's helped us out with a few deals. And then I was like, at this point, I was struggling to figure out what I was going to do with these things. Yeah. And um, I was like, Misty, I will just give them to you. Just take them. I'll ship them to you. <laughs> and I, someone needs to make money off this other than me because yeah. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm already <laughs> in the hole. And he's like, yeah, I'll I'll do mm-hmm. this. I, I've got connections in the government. We'll make this work. And um basically he did everything he could and then we got to the last day where we were going to get fees um, oh my lord <laughs> sorry no, um, no no you're okay you're okay i gotta go take this phone call my guy larry yeah, well, just called me no worries we'll, we'll pause so the custom stuff we we imported it we had a flush well we ended up flushing it but i was trying to get it to misty and misty like we were so close and then he just needed the manufacturers to confirm that they kill listeria or the bacteria when they manufacture the food products that they actually are cleanly um they, they just literally have to give a written statement that they do that yeah. um and none of them would do that for him and we did get a hold of almost all the manufacturers they're just like yeah we 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 don't do that that's why we don't import and like it's just you're not going to get that from us um yeah and so basically we that was the day we're just like okay we got to get this we got to let uh 
customs know that they just got to dump the load and just take the owl on the shipment basically yeah. which at, is, at that point tough... though like this is not legal advice this is absolutely not what i would do i'm not saying that you do this but at this point you just mock one up in photoshop and just like throw a <laughs> stamp on it be like yes yeah uh, american government here we like, yep, and that's i mean i wish i wish we could do something like that yeah. but it's just not you know they're just stingy stingy about it so what did larry have to say yeah so backstory on this larry character basically there's a local military museum the, the larry character a, being why your uh your phone just went off at friggin late he, yes uh larry is a fantastic guy um he, he works is. with a museum called the military veterans museum in oshkosh um, and they are liquidating a bunch of their stuff, which includes anything from like World War One era U.S. military surplus to the 1970s and 80s. Basically, we are buying a full semi-trailer load of vintage USGI shit. He is the what? guy who hooked us up with that deal. And that it's some of the so oldest. interesting. Like yeah. it was his life really is cool. interesting. <laughs> i mean it, it's a it's a pretty fun job honestly it's definitely the best one i've ever had i see yeah. we live in a sitcom yeah we do live in a sitcom honestly yes. we do this warehouse is like i don't even know how to describe it it's it, we we live <laughs> it's a word <laughs> it's a word bird is the word yes sir yeah i was gonna say i don't know what like time in wisconsin it is probably what nine nine p.m yeah, about that. Yeah. And you've got a guy from a military museum calling you at night to sell, to talk about <laughs> selling you a trailer full of old, like, Vietnam-era shit, World War One USGI stuff. That's wild. That That's, that's yeah. like, that's interesting. It's, it's pretty damn cool. And, like, they don't even know what's in it. It's literally just a semi-trailer, like um a semi-trailer piled like four to five feet high with miscellaneous pieces of clothing there's probably like three thousand pieces if not more yeah, is this kind there. of a storage wars thing where you're just going to send them a bid and take it that's yeah it actually kind of is that's that's basically it yeah. there's one other guy that they've been selling to us before they actually contacted us about it that was georgia i believe mm -hmm. he's from yeah and he's been placing bids on it and then renting a u-haul truck and throwing it in and i guess it hasn't been working out too well so that's why they're like it's better to work with someone local but he's mm -hmm. still we're making a bid on it i think with mm -hmm. us as well so whoever i guess gives the better bid yeah yeah we'll find out yeah and there is some really cool stuff in there too like we um we got invited down there to take a look at it and one of the first pieces i pulled out was a 1930s u.s navy deck jacket that has like um clasps on the front no buttons no zipper it's just brass clasps that's awesome and i looked it up i, I looked it up there's literally no originals for sale online like that's that's the kind of shit that we're talking about and i guarantee you when we go through that stuff we're gonna find some really cool stuff we're keeping some of it for oh, our uh, own museum <laughs> in the future 100 yeah. percent. like that that is just interesting just the the friggin rogues gallery of people that you deal with the sort the sorts of people that actually have half tracks full of old gear and and the fact that you have these contacts it's, it's fucking wild to me and i i kind of love it honestly it's it's probably the most fun part of the job is getting to know these people like yeah. um you want to talk about uh, the serbian man a little bit Oh, Nikolai? Yeah. Nikolai's my man. I <laughs> we get like and so some of them like we like uh 
Nikolai, I found through, well, he also emailed us, but I stumbled across him on eBay and we hit him up through his eBay store called is Yugoslavia stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just Yugoslavia. Like the name of the eBay store is Yugoslavia stuff. And he had some really cool pieces on there. And, uh, I added him like I got his, we got emailed back and forth a little bit, added him on WhatsApp. And then now we use, I think it's called like sling or something, but he, he's gotten us all of that blue tiger stripe camouflage that we've had, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And mm-hmm. some of the rarest camo that we've had. Um, but the first shipment we bought from, we bought all of the stuff that he had on his store on eBay. It was like, I want to say like $3,000 worth of mm-hmm. stuff. And he texted me after we sent over the money and he was like, I am now retired for two months. I'm going to go <laughs> on my journey and I will let you know what I find. And so two months late, like two months later, he hits me back up and he's like, I went on my journey, went on vacation, had the best time of my life. Now that I have money, I moved out of the, uh, he was, I guess, in some really bad area. Um, of he, Serbia of yeah. Serbia and he's like it's all thanks to you guys and like you guys have changed my life and what's keep doing business and now like every month he hits us up with like he just takes a month puts a small shipment together of stuff and a lot of times it's not even that much stuff to be honest with no, you it's just that the the caliber of the stuff in the shipment is like really cool like dead stock vintage Serbian military stuff still in the original factory packaging or like some random Yugoslav experimental camouflage or like modern Serbian issue stuff, it's which doesn't get surplus. Yeah. So it's, it's those random connections that you just yeah. kind of find over time are absolutely the best. And he's a funny guy too. Yeah. He's a really, really <laughs> professional guy too. He's one, cause sometimes we hit, you know, get hit up by these guys and they've either never done business mm-hmm. with like, you know, business to business before, or they're, you know, just, the way that there's a communication barrier or something like that, but he's been, mm-hmm. he's been great, you know, from A to B he's, he's helped, you know, Absolutely. brought us some really cool stuff. So, yeah. so, uh, other than uh us customs, have you ever been dicked around by shipping companies? Cause it's one of the things that I probably hate the most, just kind of as a consumer, like an end user. Yes. <laughs> the yes. look in both of your fucking faces. <laughs> it's not, we, I have, we haven't, at least with, freight shipping companies i've heard some really bad horror stories and we have luckily only had one kind of miss up where we lost and misplaced a pallet and we didn't have video footage of us fully taking off the pallet of the truck and because of that they wouldn't approve the insurance claim for the missing pallet of goods Mm -hmm. but that was only once um and since then we've put cameras up Mm -hmm. uh but in terms of like shipping services like ups and usps uh, both are awful and great in their own ways. Um, UPS is impossible to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. And when you do get a hold of them, they normally aren't that much help and tell you to go online. And for my customer's experience too, when like their package goes missing or something like that, it is a pain in the butt. Um, and with USPS, it's typically pretty good. It's just somehow, sometimes packages just magically never get scanned in. And mm-hmm. we'll have like a bag of packages that just get lost and then i'll get emails from people all on the same date and time that their orders were fulfilled like hey you know it's been a week where's my package and i find out that a whole bag went missing or something like Mm -hmm. that but yeah and i mean some freight companies especially just like the random miscellaneous ones that like we maybe only work with once um will tack on just ludicrous bullshit charges to whatever they're doing for you i fucking Um, hate that 
yeah, it's it's probably the worst part of working with random freight companies. Like one one of them tried to charge us a couple hundred bucks because they said that our warehouse was a storage unit. Um, it's not a storage unit. It has a bathroom. You know everything that a warehouse <laughs> yeah. has. It's labeled as a commercial building. It's not yeah. all the stuff. Not a storage unit. You know. Yeah, and that was a one of those freight companies where like you could not reach them either so oh like, yeah you I, can't... I, call, I spent hours trying to email call them and then i ended up having to go through a third party to even and we ended up having to pay it because they threatened they, they would just send us emails but not respond to our emails and they threatened to put us in collections and it mm-hmm. was like yeah and that would have just tanked the the company's credit so we just ended up having to pay it even though it was complete bullshit but whatever it's yeah. chill and then yeah especially when we deal with ports too we get tacked on fees all the time but that's when you just call and are like what the heck is this for and no i'm not paying that yeah and then they're like oh oh yeah you're right you you don't actually have to pay that like, <laughs> it's pretty funny yeah yeah it's like hey an extra you know two thousand dollars to take it off the boat for you kind of thing mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And like, oh, yeah, but you already paid the $6,000 to ship the item and paid for all that. But we're going to also just tack that extra mm-hmm. on there, you know, and it's just, yeah. yeah. And I, I imagine a lot of companies are big enough that they, you know, it's just another line item. The invoices just mm-hmm. get paid without really anyone thinking about it. But yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when it's a smaller company that I I imagine that screwed over a lot of smaller businesses that don't know that that's just bullshit. And like, you can talk them out of doing that because it's not an actual charge, which is probably the worst part about it, in my opinion. So do you, do you guys, I I know you do a lot of surplus, but do you have any plans on making your own clothing or gear? Yes, absolutely. Um, We've had stuff in development since uh, 2021. So we're going on about two years now that we've been working on this. But the reason that it's taking so damn long is because we want it to be so goddamn good. Exactly. (laughs) We want it to be an heirloom product that people will find in vintage and thrift stores like 80 years from now and still say, damn, that's some drip. And it's still in good, perfectly working shape. So that's kind of our goal because eventually surplus will dry up. That that is something else I wanted to to ask you, but I imagine there will always be surplus of some kind like. You know, t- today, yeah. today's GWAT gear is yesterday's Vietnam era gear. Exactly. But one thing I'm not looking forward to in that to kind of derail the conversation even no. further is when everything is multicam. Um, but to get back to upcoming original clothing, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we're, we're currently developing um, a, a work jacket and now the the style of the jacket is kind of more like a bomber jacket so you have like the elastic waistband um and uh wool knit cuffs that kind of like conform to your wrists and to your waist to keep heat in and that's something that not a lot of work jackets uh actually have um so it's going to be kind of an experimental kind of style of jacket we're going to call it like a heavy bomber jacket um because it's made of like um a heavy cotton canvas fabric that's cut cut and wind resistant. Um, so it's going to have the quality of a work jacket, but with the fit and style of a bomber jacket. And we're going to be making it in rare extinct camo patterns like Blumentarn or West German um, Bundesgrenzschutz uh, Sumftarn, which is like obscure patterns from the 50s and 60s um, that if you buy original are like $300 a piece. Um, but our goal with this jacket is going to be able to 
get that quality, get that longevity, um, and bring it at, bring it in at a price point that is hopefully 150 or less brand new. That's fucking drippy. I like that. In before some guy fucking DMs asking if it's IR treated, which actually would be <laughs> cool. So I, I I don't know. It came to my mind. So perhaps I'm just projecting. Um, I mean, yeah, I know with some of the newer apparel that we do carry from like Kilo Tactical, by the way, Kilo Tactical, fantastic. We've carried a lot of their stuff and I wear it a lot. Um, but one problem is that some of their stuff is not IR treated. Hopefully, if it's in the budget, we could do that to our jacket, but I'm not sure how much that costs. And given that we're already going to be making custom production fabric, which itself is expensive, I'm not sure if it's going to be practical. Yeah, understandably. I don't think anyone could fault you for that. Yeah, but we will see. If if it's if it's possible, I would like it to be like that, but we're not to that stage yet where I can say yes or no. And also, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you some pictures of it. We've yeah, had yeah, some prototypes made um that are actually pretty fucking sick so i'll send you some pictures of it after this yeah of Um, course i'd love to see yeah i'm i'm really excited for it and hopefully maybe we can have it out by the end of this year but again it's still in development we don't really have a solid timeline yet but we will see of course how how did you guys get involved with a lot of the people that you're involved with like admin results i I know is uh you, you sponsor his channel and a couple others I don't remember exactly what it was because I think we've been sponsoring admin for a year or more at this point, but I'm pretty sure I just DM'd him one day and was like, hey, bro, how do we sponsor one of your videos? And he directed me to um, Leviathan Group, who at the time was managing his sponsorships. And I'm not going to go into too much detail there because that's for that's for him to discuss. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going to yes. talk but of course um we ended up working with him through leviathan and it's continued to be a really fantastic relationship because that 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 flat range larping style works really really well with surplus yeah um also with the firearms and stuff that he does content with i mean it's it's a match made in heaven basically because whenever we get something cool in i'll text aaron and be like hey we have this cool shit you want some for maybe some future content or something like that and now he's got something in case he ever wants to do like Yugoslav Wars LARP or whatever else. Um, because we kind of, you know, we, we have that stuff and we can make it available to him to make cool content with the firearms. I love him. He He's just a, a cool fucking guy. I, I, uh, I think I, I told you, or you were possibly there for this, but, uh, I'd never seen him when I met him at shot show. Um, mm. and he just kind of came up behind me. just like, Hey, Nathan. <laughs> and I'm like, who the fuck is this? And we, we'd already recorded twice at this point. It's like, uh, it's, it's Aaron. I'm like, Aaron, who the, fu- Oh, and it, then it clicked. And it's like this very jacked man, just up yeah, behind me at the pie party. And it, it was, it was nice. He, he's a very, very wholesome individual. I really like him. Yeah, man. Every, every single damn time I hang out with Aaron, it is always just fantastic. Like, yeah, he, he's just a fun dude and yeah. wholesome. That's that's about how I can describe Aaron. He's just fucking fantastic. I, I like him. I, I, I like the man behind the mask. I, I have an Arcteryx Balaclava. I don't know how big his head must be to keep it up. Like, I have the smallest <laughs> size, and I have a big fucking head. And it just wants to, like, fly off at any given point. It is the loosest thing. Oh, God. Oh, God. We'll never know his secrets. I'm sure he keeps that under lock and key. I, I, he, he, like, has double-sided tape or, like, staples or something. 
Yeah, he just tapes it to his face. Yeah, yeah. That, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds about right. Genuinely, I, I pin it to the side of my head with my ear protection and like hope it doesn't come off. Um, <laughs> fuck it. It seems you guys have have like a good community of followers and customers. What what do you what are they like? Oh lord, um, there's there's a lot of gems in that community. It's I can't interesting lie. Um, without saying too much. It's 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 fun to see. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, like I can speak from the the back end of things. Like, so on our store, when you make an order, you can place an order note, right? Like, you don't have to, but you can. A lot of the a lot of the people who order from us will request request the dumbest shit imaginable. Yesterday, when I was on fulfillment, somebody asked me to kiss their package and include a photo of me kissing it into the package. <laughs> and that's and that's like a semi weekly occurrence that something like that almost exactly will happen. It, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it, it is fucking hilarious. But also, there are other times when they'll request like draw me a penguin with an SVD or some shit. And that goes on the outside of the box or whatever. Or there was this one dude, I can't remember exactly where he was from. I think it might've been Canada. So a Canadian customs agent is going to see this package. And he requested that we put a sticker on it that says warning, big dildo inside. (laughs) (laughs) I remember one of my employees handed it to the UPS guy he just died laughing it was so good that is incredible yeah our our community is very very lively and i mean given the style of marketing that we do i i fully expect anything and everything to happen in the comment section or on order notes or in customer service emails or whatever um just because we we kind of do have that that image where it's like anything goes so long as it's not like terribly awful in some way yeah you know anthrax Um, yeah yeah that that would cross the line just by a little bit yeah (laughs) that being said fuck canadian customs i'm I'm just gonna say it fuck the cbsa they're awful i on god yeah they're uh have you ever ordered something from the u.s and they try to charge you up the ass for customs duties that or they just like take it i i ordered a holster a a t-rex holster uh just one, one of their uh, Ragnaroks a while ago. And it, it was, uh, just, you know, like a Ragnarok with a TLR-1. Like, it, when I say that, like, it, it was a holster cut for the light, and I also ordered the light. Um, it sat in customs for a year. What? Like, a, like a, I'm not joking, a year. Uh, my customs stopped updating in February of 2022, and I got it late February 2023. Like, it, it just arrived. Holy shit yeah <laughs> what a fucking year i didn't order it from t-rex to be clear and uh apparently they had uh i was talking to kyle uh kyle from t-rex about it a little while ago they've stopped shipping through usps because they customs fucks with anything that comes through canada post they, they do i think oh, yeah. they take like american tactical you know so and so periphery gear companies and they blacklist them anything from a particular address or company will get scrutinized to hell and back so i think they ship dhl now um which which kind of sucks because it's a little more expensive but it'll actually get to you without having to wait you know three to six months but this isn't the only time it's happened i ordered a, a couple of like folding little box cutters these these things um 
and they, they held them for like two months and anything remotely like gear related or adjacent they will keep they they don't even care sometimes it'll never get to you i'm actually i'd written off the holster ever getting to me yeah because i mean after a year of a package being mia you're just kind of like okay it's custom stole this for literally no reason or it's just sitting in the back of like a a dusty warehouse somewhere Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean with a with a ragnarok holster you could easily assume that they took it just because they thought it was nicer than what they have yeah oh that too (laughs) a hundred percent yeah, I mean, you run into that a lot, especially in South American countries. We've had the same damn issue where customs will straight up just steal the package and keep whatever's in it just because they want it. I hate that. I hate that so much. It's it's really, really shitty. Yeah. It's really shitty. I, but, I, I mean, I guess I guess customs agents have that kind of uh, that power, I kind of executive authority. We had... Um, so in Canada, and this is fucking stupid, this is one of the dumbest, like, the the list of laws in Canada that are really, really, really dumb, it's very long. You, you could fill a book. <laughs> um, but one, one of the dumbest laws is uh, switchblades are illegal. And how the, the government defines a switchblade is if you press a button, it automatically opens. Um, because of that, spring-assisted live, knives are legal because they don't have a button, like... So uh, spring-assisted knife is you you uh, you click it a little bit open and the spring opens it the rest of the way. Kind of similarly yeah. to a lot of workarounds in America, it's kind of a workaround around the law. Um, customs will go out of their way to fuck anyone as much as they can. And a local guy, he, uh, he imported 10 of them. Just, you know, the still legal spring-assisted knives that you can fucking buy on Amazon. And they raided his house and kicked his door down and arrested him. Um, for smuggling illegal weapons you know this 47 year old man who's clearly even if they were real fucking switchblades who gives a shit i mean like it's a switchblade knife yeah even if that was technically illegal that there's literally zero point yeah doing that there's no point and there's this masturbatory article in the cbc saying like well you know we need to keep these dangerous weapons off our streets and keep canadians safe and fucking what um, yeah, no, it's 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 the same damn thing as equating selling camouflage to supporting domestic terrorism. It's yeah. literally the same damn thing. Yeah, and both of them are equally stupid. No, absolutely. And and it was just like I don't know, some fucking Karen custom agent, customs agent was like, oh well, you know, th- this is clearly a deadly, dangerous weapon, and only a bad person would want to have this, despite it actually being legal. And they've just ruined this guy's life over it because it turned out he had a you know allegedly had a couple of unpinned mags in his house according to the cbc article but also who gives a shit about that either um but yeah uh canadian customs and probably most customs are uh are net negatives i i hate them yeah i mean honestly if i mean granted if customs wasn't a thing we'd probably have a little bit of a problem um yeah but I mean, god damn, some of the stuff they get upset over is so minuscule that it's really just crossing your T's and dotting your I's. And if they actually took a look at the situation for what it is, it would not be an issue. I'm at the point where it's like, fuck it, you should go ahead, you know, mail that guy meth. I don't care. I just want my fucking (laughs) (laughs) I mean, basically, yeah. Like, like, uh, recently we had another uh, customs bra moment where we imported uh, Afghan war rugs again from the same dude we've always bought them from never had an issue with them before 
and U.S. Customs was like, um, these packages, uh, they have rugs on them that have the Twin Towers on them. Uh, Fucking what? <laughs> yeah i've been i've been dealing with this for the past like two weeks or so and we invested not an inconsequential amount of money in buying rugs because this is one our biggest shipment of rugs we've ever bought and two rugs are expensive because they're handmade like a week each to make they just refused to release them from customs even after i gave them like commercial invoices and stuff and they said it might take up to 90 days for them to actually finish shipping them to us what? Which is asinine. It's asinine. So bad. That's so fucking dumb and bad. And also, the rugs have the twin towers on them. Yeah, we we sell a little something called the nine eleven rug. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so basically, basically. Uh, after after we fucking nuked Iraq, basically, uh, the Afghans were like, we're going to make some rugs and we're going to call them peace rugs. They've got like a little dove on them with an olive branch. It's it's really quite a nice gesture. But they made these rugs to point out specifically the fact that there were no Afghans involved in the 9-11 attacks, because I think a lot of Americans at the time when we were invading Afghanistan probably just lumped them in together with whoever actually committed the terrorist attacks on the twin towers and afghans were kind of like what the fuck i never knew even that this happened and you're invading my country i'm very confused so they started making rugs to kind of commemorate that that point of view of the invasion of afghanistan by nato that is really really interesting and also weird and that that is something we brought up on the on the show before just how bizarre, you know, the invasion of Afghanistan must have been to people who legitimately don't have television or the internet. I mean, there, I've I've heard a little bit about how in some places in northern Afghanistan, when U.S. troops were deployed there for the first time, the locals didn't even know anything about the Soviet-Afghan war. They had never fucking heard of it. And they were really, really confused to see Americans in their little town that's been the same way it has been for the past thousand plus years yeah because they'd never heard anything about the central government in kabul or the soviets or the americans or 9-11 or anything just because those communities are so isolated yeah that is really which was i would like to get uh like a former translator or something on here to kind of give a bit of insight now that you know all of this stuff is over well ostensibly um, yeah. I, I would like, you know, an Afghan, an Afghan translator's interpretation on everything that went down, like kind, kind of from, uh, from the perspective of someone who was local. Yeah. And I mean, Af- Afghanistan, I think it's history and its culture is really slept on by yeah. Americans. I mean, oh, it's definitely because, yeah, I mean, definitely because we were in, embroiled in such a shitty conflict over there for questionable reasons, but yeah. I mean, talking to talking to Pakistanis and Afghans is probably one of the most interesting things that I'm able to do because of this job. And if you can get someone from the ANA or whoever who's had a decent experience or just even a sort of long life in Afghanistan, I think that would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, Mitch was trying to get his turp on for a little while, but um, couldn't get a hold of him. I'm, I'm going to have to reach some. And if you're listening to this right now and you have... Uh, a line on an Af- Afghani uh, interpreter, 
that uh, has come over here that'd be willing to uh, talk about it on air, I'd really appreciate you shouting out because I think that'd be fascinating listening. And also, yeah, I, I would, would really love to pick the brain. Yeah, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Have, have you ever uh, followed... Um, he, he's a little bit of an internet celebrity and some people will recognize it. I'd be very surprised if you don't. The story of Lord Miles. Oh God, dude. I saw, I saw the Taliban public relations department tweet about him the other day. Yeah. And that was, has he been the found? first time? Not that I'm aware of. Um, yeah. I think he's missing. Uh, but that oh, was the first time I'd ever heard of him. And I kind of went down the rabbit hole and learned like the surface level information about him, but <laughs> he's an interesting character. That's what I'll say. What what exactly happened to him? Did he go missing while he was traveling in Afghanistan? Uh, I'm I think reading about it right now. Apparently he was last seen in Brazil, so I'm not quite sure. Uh, tweets from one Twitter account claiming he was last allegedly seen in Afghanistan, but police haven't uh, haven't confirmed it. Apparently he his last video was taken in Brazil, but I, I feel like he would be... Maybe he wandered into the Amazon to return to to uh, tradition because of all those uncontacted tribes. Tribes. That's probably where he's at. Yeah, if I had to guess. There is no proof that Lord was in fact an Eastern, uh, in Easter country in the first week of March 2023, as the tweets claim. He did take a trip to Snake Island in Brazil, which is deemed as the most deadly island on the planet. All oh. right. Maybe that explains it. <laughs> that explains a lot. I I hope he's okay. But why yeah, exactly? Uh, the most why exactly is that the deadliest island in the world though um according to this fairly nebulous uh article um snakes oh okay it is called snake island i, I guess that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes uh, for anyone listening it's it's worth looking into him i don't want to talk about someone that i i only have you know basically a, a twitter and wikipedia knowledge of but he is an interesting individual that um got stuck in afghanistan during was that during the withdrawal yeah and he, he, okay, he was already friends yeah. with the taliban and was uh funny enough making dealings with them for rugs and uh kind of kind of ended up kind of buddy buddy with the uh the local government oh that's so funny that's so fucking funny yeah <laughs> just a just a corked up white boy traveling yeah. to afghanistan to visit the taliban Pretty much, uh, yeah. A 21-year-old British student who traveled to Afghanistan during the events of the 2021 Taliban offensive, and was reporting his situation on 4chan and Twitch. <laughs> That's a hell of a combination of social media platforms. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. And he he posted a bunch of photos of him. There's there's one here of just him wearing a distasha in the middle of the street. Uh, Miles Arthur <laughs> Visconti Rutledge, which is like a mouthful of a fucking name. Average British name. Yeah, he he just goes and he just travels to dangerous places, which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, he went to Afghanistan for a five day trip. Said he wouldn't, he didn't think the capital would be taken in that period. And uh, yeah, big L on that one. It absolutely was. Just coincidentally happens to show up as soon as the Taliban overthrow the local government. Yeah. In the same thread, Miles wrote that in all his bank cards, he has Lord as a term of address after tricking his bank into doing it. And express will <laughs> provide him negotiating power in the event of capture. See, that is probably true. If you go to the Taliban and say that you're a British lord, yeah, that that probably would convince him. Yeah, I find this super super interesting. No, according to this, he was actually uh, evacuated. I don't know how much about mm. him becoming friends with the Taliban is true. 
it, a lot of it could be just conjecture and internet rumors, but that sounds a lot like a folk legend to me. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> it's the internet. Like internet legends are it's it's a wild and wacky place just the the folk tales that come out of even now like now we have, you know, phones and cameras and everything else. Um, I, I don't see anything about it here. It chronologues his entire story, and it looks like he actually made it to an embassy and got evacuated. But um, hmm. I, I wonder, I, apparently uh, the rumors of him becoming a, a friends with the Taliban were made by that Twitter account we were talking about earlier. Interesting. Honestly, if that account is satire, that makes a hell of a lot more sense. But it also does. if it was... If it was legit Taliban, that also makes sense. Yeah. Because they'd want to make themselves look as good as possible. Yeah. Which I I respect, actually. I I still, you know, I've got a headcanon that it is, like, some bored 18-year-old, like, probably studied in Britain or America intern that that went back and now this is just his job. And I I really hope that's true. Honestly, I I hope that is true, too, because... I want to see what a Gen Z Taliban guy looks like. I want to see that so badly. <laughs> so, so badly. Oh, a hundred fucking percent. Probably has, you know, the, the haircut. It's like puffy on top, shaved on the sides. He's, uh, he's single-handedly introduced the jewel to Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> they got rid of all their shishas. They, they smoke stilts now. They smoke jewel. Ah, yes. The Newport menthols, Nathan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, no, I I think it'd be really cool for you guys to actually do. I I don't want to be like, I I don't want to say like conflict tourism, but it would be cool to travel to some of these places that you're doing dealings with. I mean, like, I I did kind of get an invite to go to Kiev. Really? uh, Over SHOT Show. One of our... Because um, one of our wholesalers has that European connection, and they have another guy who works for a different company who sells ballistic eyewear. Um, and we sell those same goggles and stuff. Like, they're, they're current issue for the UAF, the Ukrainian Armed Forces. Um, and this guy has connections with the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense because he's sold so many damn pairs of these glasses to the Ukrainian Armed Forces. So naturally, he'll go on business trips to Kiev, and he kind of tentatively invited me to go yeah. at some point. My family was like, no, no, you can't go to Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was very, very tempting because, I mean, it, it would just be kind of cool. And, I mean, not to make light of the situation over there. It's not tourism worthy, obviously, because no. people are dying and families are being torn apart and all that. No, all it, that it's really tragic stuff. stuff. But it, it would be neat to take a trip to that part of the world. Um, And I feel like eventually after the war is over, especially and when the company has gotten bigger and I can kind of afford to leave for longer periods of time, that kind of foreign travel is going to be really fucking cool, especially considering what we're already into. Yeah, I think so as well. And a trip to Afghanistan. Holy shit. (laughs) That would be a trip of a lifetime. That's all. That's all I'll be able to say. Well, hopefully it won't be another Lord Miles situation where you're you're being whisked off to a safe house, you know. Fingers crossed, but you never know. Yeah. Is there anywhere else that's uh, high up on your list of places that you'd go, just for the history, if nothing else? Um, I want to go to Ireland. Yes. Uh, 
we just uh just to check things out uh because uh i mean i'm mostly curious to see if like people in ireland would recognize who we are like if we were wearing like company merch or something because for a bit we were in the national news cycle yeah uh so be interesting. i wonder i mean one of the hosts on the show is irish and lives out there i wonder i'll send him a message oh god i if he listens to their national radio i bet he probably heard that story he's but, actually involved uh, with journalism so that that would uh oh really okay maybe he, he did then <laughs> that would be funny as shit. yeah but uh also my my family is irish so i i've always kind of wanted to go to ireland um it's my Irish, uh, my surname is Irish, McGrath. And uh, a funny story behind that, too. Um, we got that surname in our family because an Irish immigrant who uh, I don't know the name of, actually. I only know his last name. Because he got a woman in New Jersey pregnant in 1876 or 75 or so and then left. So that's where my Irish name comes from. And I think that's that's awfully Irish in a really stereotypical way. But... It's a fun story. It's interesting. That's literally the entire story. I know nothing else about this Irish man. All, all I know is that he's in my family tree and I have no clue who he is. <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming up on two hours here. So uh, before I know it's fucking late there and it's pretty late here. Uh, before mm. we wrap this up, you should show yourself to the probably few people who don't know who you are. Well, um, we are a pretty damn new company. So if you don't know who we are, that is completely fine. Um, no, shame. We... <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm the owner of a company called Americana Pipe Dream. We sell military surplus, uh, outdoor camping gear, uh, a little bit of vintage clothing when we can get it. Um, just generally good stuff. Uh, we've got an Instagram, uh, Americana.PipeDream, uh, on TikTok as well, even though that is a shitty platform. Twitter also uh www.americanapipedream.com also the uh americana pipe cast on spotify um only two episodes so far but that's kind of where we just uh talk shop about the uh, military surplus industry and uh whatever else is going on with the company um so if you'd like to check it out uh that's all our socials excellent anyways they have 911 rugs if you would like to uh have in your entryway just a giant picture of the two towers i think that would be good i think that's a good look uh, go buy yes. it at americanapipedream.com. And uh, as an added bonus, some of the rugs also depict people jumping out of the towers, which I thought was Oh, man, that's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely incredibly morbid, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> Before we uh, wrap up, uh, you got any, uh, I mean, you're, you're probably actually our youngest guest, I think. Do you have any uh, dad advice? Could be like... Oh um uh, try to avoid fatherhood until you're about 24 or 25 and have settled down with a good woman who will be a good mother based <laughs> america and a pipe dream ladies and gentlemen they uh yes they sir do good stuff and they got 9-11 carpets yeah thank you anytime always welcome uh wait 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 fuck uh you're starting your own podcast aren't you uh yeah i believe i brought it up but before we ended i wanted to say yes uh See Bernard podcast, fucking fantastic. Listen to every single episode. Oh, Support shit. Nathan. Thank you, man. Absolutely fantastic podcast. That that means a lot. I, I really appreciate you, and I, I know BR does too. Thank you. Absolutely. That, that means a lot. I always just hearing it from people, like hearing it from anyone. It's just it's very wholesome. Okay, bye.